Thank you, Gordon. Be turning to 1 Corinthians again. We were in 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter 3 this time. I had mentioned to you that I kind of feel like August sometimes is a timeout in a church schedule when a summer is almost over, school and fall things haven't quite started yet. And it's a good time to just think about things, even things we know well, but refresh our memory and our thinking about these kinds of things. When I read my Bible, I don't, I don't read looking for sermons, uh, but I see them everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just reading because uh, I love to read it. And then I say to myself, boy, I'd like to speak on that or I'd like to preach on that. And so uh, I didn't get far out of 1 Corinthians 2, which I preached on this morning. I got to chapter 3 and saw these things and I said, well, I'm going to do that Sunday night. So I spoke this morning in chapter 2 about the testimony of God from verse 1. And uh, what we can do to keep the testimony of God fresh in our lives. But here's another question for you. Have we, do we lose our perspective of what this life is all about as time goes on? We said this morning that many times we lose our enthusiasm that comes when we're new Christians. But sometimes we lose that perspective too of how short this life is and how long eternity is how we think things are important in this life, but we're not thinking so much about how they count for the next life. And so chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians really helps us in this regard because we have to remember that we will be evaluated. I don't say judged, although we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ, but evaluated for what we did in this life and whether it counted or not, whether it counted for Christ uh, and not just for ourselves. Now, the, the, the judgment seat or Bema seat passages are primarily 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this long passage that we have here. And then in 2 Corinthians, he does it again and uh, in chapter 5. There's a lot of emphasis in these, a lot of things you can say about the Bema Seat. As a matter of fact, not long ago this last year, I did a series on Wednesday night. Many of you were here for that, uh, where we looked at the Bema Seat of Christ from a lot of different angles. But tonight, I want to talk to you about three pronouns, <laughs> definite and indefinite pronouns. Remember those from English class? And uh, you have, uh, that's why I have the title in the bulletin the way I do and the outline uh, there. But I, I want to show you these, and it's just one of those things that I notice when I go through this passage, and I think that's kind of interesting when you think about it. The first is that uh, in, beginning in verse 8 of chapter 3, Paul speaks to every man. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. And then again in verse 10 at the bottom, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. And again in verse 13 at the end, uh, the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Uh, the uh, New King James rather than man says each one, anyone, and so forth. And then not only every man, these things apply to every Christian, but in verse 14 then, you have a long list of any man or anyone in the New King James. So uh, verse 12 uh, first introduced it, uh, if any man build on this foundation. And then uh, in verse 14, 
any man, if any man's work abide, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, verse 17, if any man defile. In other words, now you have a list of things that may or may not apply to you as a believer. It could to any, any person. It may or may not. <clears throat> and then the one last uh, expression we have is down in verse 21, therefore let no man, <laughs> and that's my last thought, then uh, now we have no one should do this. And so uh, that's what I want us to think about in light of the Bema seed of Christ. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that there is nothing in this life, think of this, there is nothing in this life that can, number one, make you do wrong. You can die for it, and many have for their faith, but no one can make you do wrong. And secondly, nothing or no one in this life can keep you from doing right. It's your responsibility, and it will be your responsibility uh, before God. <coughs> you remember that the king said uh, to Daniel and the other Israelites, you cannot pray except uh, through the king. And Daniel said, that's what you think. He went up to his window, he opened it toward Jerusalem three times a day and prayed as uh, God had instructed his people to pray. And, he, and they said, well, then we'll throw you in the lion's den. Daniel said, you're welcome to, <laughs> but no one can keep me from doing right and I'm gonna do it. On the other hand, here are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, they are told you must bow down to this idol and they said, no, we're not going to. Well, we'll throw you in the fiery furnace. They said, you're welcome to. <laughs> but no one can make us do wrong. And that's true in our lives. And as we think in the light of the Bema seat, that's true. Can I, uh, can I tell you a story about what happened on the way to church tonight? You, you know, uh, <laughs> my, my wife and I, after 45 years, have learned to laugh at each other. And we, we like to, but... I'm thinking about this kind of thing. And so, you know, we're having ice cream tonight. So Ann had, had some ice cream and we got to take it to church on a hot day and keep it cold. And so we got the cooler out, you know, and she puts that in there with a couple of few other things, puts ice on it and, and it's kind of heavy and everything. So I'm, I carry it for her out to the car. I put it in the car. We get in the car, go to church and about 10 blocks away, I pull off onto a side street. <laughs> she said, what are you doing? I said, honey, I forgot my Bible. It's at home with my message in it. And then I said, it's your fault, you know. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, if I hadn't carried your, your cooler with ice cream, I wouldn't have forgot. And she said, uh, you're getting forgetful in your old age. <laughs> so I can't win on that one. You know, I, I was hoping it could be somebody else's fault, but it wasn't. So we headed back to the house. And then I said, you know, I said, uh, if I had not taken my Bible, we'd sure have a short sermon before we eat ice cream. You know what she says? Even without your notes, you'd preach a long time. <laughs> I can't win, you know, nothing is my fault or, or whatever. And so, you know, so uh, then we get home, I go get my Bible. And so she has one stop to make, and that is, she had to pick up one more package of buns so that the number of hot dogs we have matches the number of buns that we have. Okay, we had a little difference there. 
uh, you know how uh, wives worry about that. So I said, well, what? She said, I'll just run in real quick. You can wait for me. I'll run in and get it run back out. I said, uh, all right, which store do you want to stop in? Now, I'm thinking in my head, there are three grocery stores right on the way. Easy in, easy out. I can pull right up to the front door, three of them. And the first thing she says was, well, you know, Aldi's was way over there, and they have it a little bit cheaper. One package of buns <laughs> all the way across there to the, in the traffic and down the worst street in, in North Kansas City. And she, but she says, I don't care. Go where you want to go. <laughs> now, can, whose fault is this going to be, you know? And I pull into a store real quick, and she runs in and get that bun. She's going to worry all day long that she didn't save a nickel by going to Aldi's. <laughs> I know. I married a Ukrainian. I know how they are. So I go to Aldi's, way out of my way, way over in the worst part of town and all the rest. So I'm just telling you, <laughs> nothing can make you do wrong. Nothing can keep you from doing right. And everything we do is going to be your fault. <laughs> Or your blessing. All right, let me let me uh, then direct your thoughts here uh, on these things. And I didn't fill in every point, but I have a few thoughts under each of these. So here are three pronouns I think that kind of make up categories in our study of the bema seat of Christ. The first is the fact that uh, at the bema seat there will be every man's reward or each one's as the new king james has it in other words what we read in these verses beginning in verse 8 where it says every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor every christian is going to receive his own reward you're not going to receive somebody else's nobody else is doing the work for you and when you get there, you don't have an excuse to say it was your fault or it was his fault or somebody else's. First of all, in the first thought is in verse 8, and that is it will be according to your own labor. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, not someone else's. So rewards or loss of rewards at the Bema seat are your responsibility. It's not your parents because they didn't do this for you. It's not your pastors because I didn't encourage you or discourage you. It is your responsibility uh, before the Lord. So every man has that responsibility. That's according to every man's uh, own labor. Everyone here, uh, that includes you. Secondly, if we skip down to verse 10, the warning here is, take heed then for each one of you, every one of you, how you build this. Verse 10 says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, an architect, I have laid the foundation, another builds thereon, but let every, one, every person, every one of you, take heed how he builds thereon. Not necessarily how much. God isn't going to reward you for how much. He's going to reward you for how you did what he gave you to do. Someone else may do more. Someone else may do less. Uh, you know, Peter turned, when the Lord said, Peter, you're going to die by crucifixion, he turned and looked at John and said, yeah, but how about him? <laughs> and the Lord said to Peter, you do what I've given you to do, and he'll do what, he, what I've given him to do. So every man has that. And by the way, the how is the code. 
You know, God is interested in how we do things. He's not a pragmatist in that sense. He's not saying, well, I just want you to get it done in whatever way you can. Uh, he is interested in how we build the house. It's kind of like a house to build, and you have a code that you have to build by. You need to, <clears throat> you need to build by the code. So we have a word from God. This word tells us how we should live our lives, how we should do a ministry, how we should uh, have a family, how we should have a church, and all of those kinds of things. That's what God's interested in. And every one of us can accomplish that. Every one of us can do the how of what God wants. Well, then a third thought here is down in verse 13, where he says, Every man's work shall be made manifest. And so your work will be revealed or made manifest for the day shall declare it. It shall be revealed by fire to try every man's work of what sort it is. So your work will be manifest, not your sins. We noticed this in our study on the Bema Seat of Christ. Your sins have been judged for. We're talking here about now what do you do as a Christian? Your sins are under the blood of Christ. And of course, your sins uh, unconfessed and that lead you away from the fellowship with God can be judged in that sense. But in the sense of uh, what have you done that is worthwhile or not worthwhile? That is what he's talking about here. That's what will be made manifest. And so uh, you can't just say, well, you know, I'm just tired of living the Christian life, so I'm just not going to do it and I'm going to go on to heaven and I'll be fine. No. Uh, then your life will be worthless to the Lord's purpose. Every one of us, every one of us can say, Lord, what is it I can do that makes my life worthwhile so that when I stand at the Bema Seat of Christ, I will receive reward rather than losing reward. So <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5 says we must all appear before the Bema Seat of Christ. We, we have to. You have to stand there. You have to go there. And so these things apply to every one of us. And we need to think of the Bema Seat of Christ as an awards assembly more than a final exam. <laughs> you know, a final exam is something you take, pass or fail. You, you take it and you fail the final exam. You may fail the whole class. That's not what the Bema Seat of Christ is about. But have you ever been in an awards assembly? Have you ever play a sport, for example, and at the end of the season, they have an assembly and they're going to give out certain rewards or awards for people who have done this and done that. You go, you're a team member. You may receive an award. You may not. You know, if you played very well and accomplished a lot of things, you'd get this award or you'd get that one. And if not, you don't. It's a matter of receiving or not receiving an award. That's more what the Bema Seat of Christ is like rather than an examination uh, that you may fail and so every man has these responsibilities, every person, each one, as the Bible says. Secondly, in a longer passage, we have the any man's work, which, again, there was a first mention of it in verse 12, if any man build upon this foundation, but primarily from verse 14, on down and just look at how many times you, you, you may see them in 14, 15, 17, 18, uh, all the way down, you see this instruction to any man. In other words, any Christian 
can succeed in these things, and any Christian can fail in these things. So whereas in the first admonitions, that has to go for every one of us. Every one of us is included. But when it comes to our reward at the Bema seat, you may or may not. You may not get that reward when another person right next to you, another believer, may get that award. You may be faithful, another person may be unfaithful. And so it's any man. That pronoun now uh, is kind of indefinite, anyone. So a few things that I picked out just to notice. First of all, in verse 8, it is, <clears throat> I'm sorry, not, not verse 8, verse 14. Anyone's work can abide or not abide. 14 and 15 together. If any man's work abide, which he have built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss of reward. But he himself will be saved. So as by fire, we're not talking about salvation here, of course, at the Bema Seat of Christ. And so my point is, any one of you can abide and do the work that God wants you to do, and any one of you can fail in that work. It's yours to abide or not abide. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all win or loss. No doubt at the Bema Seat of Christ, there will be a lot of things you did well, and there will be some things you did not do well. Some things you receive a reward for, other things you did not. So it's not just all one or the other. So in each of these things in your life, what is it that God has asked you to do? And I mean by that, we know some things, right? We know that you're to be faithful to the Lord's service, faithful to the Lord's house. <clears throat> we know that you're to be a witness for the Lord. We know that you should be a praying individual. You should be a holy individual. You should, you should be uh, a giving individual and all of those. You can succeed or fail in either of those. You're still a Christian. You'll still be at the Bema seat. You may receive an award. You may lose a reward, whereas the person sitting next to you tonight will get a totally different response. And so anyone's work can abide or not abide. In verse 17, which says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Now, let me, let me tell you there in the old version that those two words are the same. Uh, if any man uh, defile or or do damage to the temple of God, God will do damage to him. Kind of in the sense of judging or defiling and destroying here means suffering loss. In other words, any man can defile God's temple or anyone can keep it holy. You have a temple, it's called your body. You can keep it holy, you cannot. You can defile it, you cannot defile it. You can use it for God's glory or not for God's glory. You can do that at certain times and not at other times. But it's your space, as they say. And so you will be responsible for your space, and that is what God will judge you about. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians, Paul will say that every man may receive that which is done in his own body, whether it be good or bad. That's our tool. This is our space. Your lips, your eyes... Your mouth, your feet, your hands, all of these things are yours. And back to my uh, statement, no one can make you do wrong. No one can keep you from doing right. And so anyone can defile it. 
and anyone can keep it from being defiled. I like in chapter 11, where Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper, and verse in chapter 11 of, uh, of this book and verse 31, remember when we're talking about the Lord's Supper, and he says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. The way to keep from God judging you at the Bema seat, and that is a loss of reward, is for you to take care of it yourself. And, uh, and that thing that is wrong in your life, get it right. That sin that you have, get rid of it. That thing that you're not doing, start doing. And that way you judge yourself and God doesn't judge you. There's a judgment of God in this life. I'm not, I'm not making little of that at all. Of course, God can chastise us the way he wants and often does. And sometimes that chastisement can be rather severe. But we're talking here about standing before him one day when it's all said and done and receiving reward or not, no reward. A third thought here in the any man's work is in verse 18 then. And that is that anyone can be wise and anyone can be foolish. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool then that he may be wise. Because, of course, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. People that we think are wise aren't always wise. And other people that we think are foolish aren't necessarily foolish. It's how God sees them, not how the world sees it. And so uh, you remember in Galatians that, that Paul, uh, I, I read this this morning or the first part of it, in Galatians 1.9, as we said, therefore, and know again, if any man preach any other gospel, let him be, uh, no, that's the wrong verse, so I'll skip it and go on. <laughs> let me... Let me end point number two with this. When we were studying the Bema Seat of Christ, uh, we, we, I quoted a number of good theologians who used the word capacity. And what, he, what they were saying is that when you receive reward from the Lord, then God gives you a certain capacity to bring glory to him throughout eternity. And what you want is a greater capacity to bring glory to him as the bride of Christ, uh, bringing glory to the bridegroom. Uh, one author likened it to a chandelier that has a hundred bulbs in it, and some are very bright bulbs and some are very small, but they all do their job when you turn the chandelier on. They all light up the room. They're designed to light up the room. And so every bulb is happy. <laughs> Uh, it may be a 150-watt bulb. It's a happy bulb. And you may have a little 10-watt bulb over here on the side, but it's a happy bulb because every bulb is shining to its capacity. And so we want to bring glory to the Lord in whatever way because some people think, well, if, if I lose rewards at the Bema seat, then I'm going to be unhappy throughout eternity, you know, because I'm not doing, you know, bringing all the glory. No, God will, will give you that capacity based on that reward, and that's what you will do throughout eternity. Be a bright bulb. <laughs> now, that's the point. Have a capacity when you get there to bring all the glory and honor to the Lord that you can.
So every man's reward and any man's work. But thirdly, then, just in one short statement, is the no man's. And that is no man's glory, no one's, as the new King James says in verse 21. Therefore, let no man, then, glory in men. And why? For all things are yours. In other words, here, no Christian should glory in anything other than God. That's where it all comes from. Two thoughts here. One is, we should not glory in men, should we? If we glory in one another, and especially in ourselves, then there's no reward for that. They didn't give you what you have. As a matter of fact, let your eyes drop down to chapter 4 and verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ one from another? What hast thou that thou didst not receive? What, what do you have that God didn't give you? Nothing. Now, if thou didst receive it then, why dost thou glory as though thou didst not receive it? Old language here may be hard to understand. But everything you have came from God. And since everything that you have came from God, why do you glory in it as if it came from you? And that's the same thing he's saying in our verse 21. Let no man glory, therefore, in men. You know, James, Gray, James M. Gray, uh, a theologian, an evangelist, uh, wrote a song called Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. You remember that? And the song starts out, Not have I gotten but what I received. God hath bestowed it since I have believed. I don't have anything that didn't come from God. But secondly, he says in verse 21, For all things are yours. And here's another no one. First of all, no one should glory in men. But secondly, no one, I'm talking of believers, is not, <laughs> double negative here, no one is not a joint heir with Christ. Every one of us is a joint heir. There's no Christian that's not going to uh, receive his, his or her heirship from the Lord. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to have the blessings of the new Jerusalem. We're going to fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're all uh, joint heirs with Christ. So back to chapter 4 and verse 8, he then said, now you are full, now you are rich, you have reigned as kings without us. A little bit of a scolding there, but then he says, I would to God you did reign that we also might reign with you. We're all going to reign. We're all joint heirs with Christ. And so remember that all things are yours. And since God has willed us everything and everything, we're the heir of everything that God has made, uh, then why should we take glory for it? No man's glory is the point. So, perspective. I look forward to the Bema Seat of Christ. I hope you do too. I mean, I look forward to it for a number of reasons. One is, I'll be corrected where I've been wrong. And all of us are wrong in a number of places. And so I'll, I'll be corrected in those places. And why wouldn't you, if you're wrong about things, want to be corrected? And, and that will be true. And the other, another reason why i am be glad for the Bema Seat of Christ is that then I'll be right about everything. <laughs> After I'm corrected, I'll be right for the first time in my existence, right about everything. 
and so will my wife. And then we will both live for eternity, both being correct about everything. Won't that be great? We'll enjoy that. I'll enjoy the Bema Seat of Christ because I will be known as I am known. As the Lord knows me, and the Lord knows me in and out, I'm going to know not only that, but I'm going to know him. And I'm going to see him face to face. I will know things as I am known. And then finally, Daniel 12, 3, the book closes with, They that shall be wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament forever and ever. They that are wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament. My bulb will come on, and I will bring glory to the Lord throughout eternity. And I look forward to it, being at the Bema Seat of Christ. I hope you do too. I hope you remember these three pronouns each time that you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay, stand with me if you will, and we'll pray and sing a song. Let's stand and uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Now, Father... Uh, we, we thank you for the promise that we will stand before you, that we will be evaluated, that the things that did not count for your purpose will be worthless, as they should be. And then, Father, what has been done uh, through us, with our, with our dispensation given to us, our responsibility, will receive reward that will bring glory to you. So, Father, help us to see uh, that responsibility. Help us to see the inevitability of standing before you and going through this process. May we rejoice in it and look forward to it. So, Father, thank you for this. Now, as we sing a song that reminds us of these things and brings them to our hearts, I pray you'd bless that and our time of fellowship as we as a church uh, rejoice in the goodness of God and what you've done for us. We'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gordon's going to come and lead us in.